you of our worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Please have a seat. reading from John 13, 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from his world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. All righty. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? All right. So John chapter number 13. And before I get started, I'm going to remember what I'm supposed to do. Kids, you are dismissed to go downstairs. Yes. We call this progress. We're learning. Turns out I can learn new tricks. All right. John chapter number 13. This is a very interesting passage for us to look at. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, uh, Before we jump into it, I kind of want to, you know, kind of give you my perspective of what what I'm going to be talking about for the next few weeks, possibly a month or two or something like that. Um, but if you see, can we throw the logo up, JT? Um, so this is, this is the logo of our church, Living Hope Church. And if you see underneath there, there's four words, um, serve, share, strengthen, send. I don't know if we call this mission statement or maybe theme words. I don't know what the right thing. I always think like mission statement. So uh, I know they're just words, like four words. 
Um, it's not a sentence. There's four periods, right? Um, but I'm still going to call it a mission statement. And so uh, really this is our tagline. And really this is kind of what we, we as Living Hope Church want our, our mind and our focus, our heart to be on uh, as we come together as a church. And that's to serve, share, strengthen, and send. And so I kind of just want to take a few weeks and kind of look at these words and try to look at um, what we what our purpose is as a church and, and what we're planning on doing uh, together and moving forward. And so this first word that we're looking at is the word serve. And I think, uh, honestly, the word serve is a hard one <laughs> because um, it requires something of us. And so really my, my message today is is going to be a little pointed and it's, it's going to call, uh, I hope, some, you know, again, I'm a pretty informal guy, so, like, I don't necessarily want to get up here and just give an oration and then go sit down, right? Like, I want to live life with you guys. I want you guys to know who I am. I want to know who you are. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Um, and so, if you see, there's the sermon notes thing uh, on the bottom of the, the back page of it on announcements. My phone number's there for you, my email address. Uh, and so if you ever need anything, uh, I want you to contact me. Uh, that's what I'm here for, uh, is to serve you. Um, but within that, like, uh, it's hard sometimes um, for me to teach on serving because then it calls of me certain things, right? Uh, it, it requires of me to respond in certain ways. And so this is, you know, maybe my second sermon with you guys. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to... I'm going to be like, all right, get to work, right? <laughs> um, I want you to know, like, I'm talking to myself too, right? This isn't, this is, uh, God is speaking to all of those who follow him. And so uh, I'm not immune from that. In fact, I probably need it more than most of you. Um, but this is, this is the heart. Um, and, and this is really one of the primary things that Jesus calls for his disciples is to serve. And so that's what we want to look at today. In the book of John, chapter number 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover... And uh, Passover is a really interesting, awesome um, celebration. And um, there's uh, been two times uh, at my previous church uh, that I, I kind of did a Passover meal. Um, and the first time I was teaching through the whole story of the Bible. Um, it was supposed to be 52 weeks. And, uh, you know, like two years later we were done um, because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Uh, you know, even skipping a bunch, the whole story of the Bible is a lot, you know, um, but we were going through the story of the Bible, and, and we're in the book of uh, Exodus, and, and God's chosen people, God had created uh, this nation, and he had called this family through Abraham, and he called this people, and he was building this people, but then he had delivered them from famine and taken his, this family to Egypt, and while they were in Egypt, they were actually enslaved, and they became slaves for over 400 years. And, and God's people, his nation, is building as a nation as slaves. They're a nation under captivity. And so God sends Moses, who's a really cool character. And if you haven't watched Prince of Egypt, is that the right movie? Uh, there's some really cool, like, songs out of that. But anyway, that's a great story. But in, in the book of Exodus, God sends a deliverer. He sends Moses to deliver his people out of captivity. And there's this beautiful picture of what God is doing for all of mankind, for each of us personally, that we are captives to our own sin. We are under condemnation and punishment. Uh, but God has sent a deliverer to free us from captivity. And so Moses goes, and, and he goes to the Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. 
And uh, then Pharaoh's like, I don't know, why should I let them go? And he's like, well, Moses says, to worship our God. And Pharaoh says, well, who's your God? And, and uh, Pharaoh, or Ma- Moses, let me keep them straight. Moses says, I am that I am. That's my God, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh. This is my God. And Pharaoh says, I don't know who that is. And so God proceeds to show Pharaoh who he is. Um, he is the God of gods. He is the king of kings. He is the God of all creation. And so through 10 plagues, he proves that he has the power over all of their gods and everything that they thought they were worshiping and had control over. It's actually Yahweh that has the control and the power over these things through these 10 plagues. But the last plague is something that um, the Egyptians worshiped. And I'm maybe giving too much backstory, but at this moment, I feel like it's poignant to us, right? One of the things they worshipped worshipped was their children, right? The, the last plague was the death of the firstborn, right? And sometimes uh, our hopes and our dreams for ourselves, we actually place on our children, and we expect them to, we want to live through our children, right? And we put all of our hopes and dreams into the future in our children, and, and sometimes we can actually make our children and our hopes and dreams for them and what we want through them actually become a God. And, and the truth is, is our future, our, our legacy, it's not even something we get to control, right? God's still the God of our legacy. And so God is, uh, the, the last plague is the death of the firstborn, not just of the humans, but of all the animals. And this, is, this plague was uniquely for everyone in Egypt, not just Egyptians. See, most of the plagues, they, did le- they left the, 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 the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they left them alone. Uh, and it, they were just towards the Egyptians. But this plague was also for the Hebrews, unless they did what God told them to do. That's amazing how simple obedience to what God tells us to do is like 99% of our life, right? Like that's what the Christian life is. That's what, I mean, this, is, this is what it's all about for us. What has God said? How do I do it, Right? Well, God told the people to take an, a lamb into their home, uh, to kill the lamb, and to put its blood on the doorpost and on the mantle. And uh, when, when, uh, when the plague came, uh, he would pass over them. And so this became a celebration for the Jewish people. God actually told them that this would be a feast for them. This is one of their most important feasts, is the P- Passover, the feast of the Passover. And so uh, for literally thousands of years, and even to this day, the Jewish people celebrate the Feast of the Passover. It's this recognition when God was delivering them out of captivity, that God had made a way to save them from death, the punishment of this plague, the death of the firstborn, through the sacrificial lamb, uh, through the Passover lamb. And this lamb would take their place and die in their place. And so that's what, uh, what it was. And so all this to say, when I, when I was teaching through this uh, with the youth group, we were teaching through, um, and I was like, well, I want to make this real. You know, I want us to imagine. Uh, I, I'm a visual person. Like, uh, I'm going to ask you guys probably every week at some point to try to imagine yourself in the story. And so, like, I'm trying to, how do I get, how do I get these kids you know, their dense skulls with, like, nothing in there, right? Like, how do I get them to imagine what it was like? And so I, I made a Passover meal. 
Except it's hard to kind of do that. But like, man, I got like the unleavened bread. I got like whole wheat flour. I'm like trying to make it as gross as I can, right? And it's whole wheat flour and water. That's it. And I just press that out and I make that and it's flat bread and it's, it's not even good. It's whole wheat flour. How can it be good? But then, you know, uh, it, it's lamb and lamb is kind of its own crazy, you know, flavor. And like, you know, I couldn't even put good seasoning on it. It's not like I was putting barbecue sauce on for him. No, it's salt and pepper, maybe a little bit of pepper, you know. Like, let's keep it real simple. We're talking back in ancient Egypt, right? What did they have to eat? I mean, they saved their oil for, like, you know, big giant feasts. And so, like, I mean, they're seasoning it with nothing. So they got this nasty stuff, and, and, and they had bitter herbs Bitter herbs, do you know, like, what those are? I'm talking, like, horseradish, arugula, which, by the way, both great things. But, like, I mean, this is their seasoning. Like, you get this, this whole wheat flatbread. It probably wasn't even wheat, but, like, they, ha- they had this whole wheat flatbread. We had this lamb that's barely seasoned, and, and we get, like, a little bit of olive oil, maybe some green olives, and, and, and some horseradish and some arugula, and, like, that's it. This is our meal. It's just like, all right, guys, we're going to suffer. We're going to put ourselves in, in the Hebrews' feet, in, in, in their shoes, and we're going to try to imagine what it was like. And, and, you know, we closed the door, and I had this, <laughs> this little stuffed lamb <laughs> I was carrying around for a little bit, and then, like, I hit it, and, like, we killed it, you know. We, you know, like, I mean, we, we're trying to imagine that we're there, right? And then, and then we go through, and we actually eat it. And guess what? It's delicious. Like, it was amazing. We're all sitting there chowing down. I was like, this isn't working? We're supposed to be sad, you know? But, like, man, it was good. So, <laughs> so, so that's the Passover. And, and what's really cool about the Passover is we can go all the way back to the story in Exodus, and we try to imagine and remember what God did to deliver his people. And here we come to Jesus' day. And here in John chapter number 13, Jesus is celebrating the Passover. And he's doing the same thing with his disciples. He's sitting here trying to remember, trying to get his disciples to recognize and remember what God has done. God has delivered us from our captivity. This is something we celebrate. This is something that we need to remember. And so Jesus is is at this feast of the Passover. He's got the same stuff. He's got the flat bread, unleavened bread. He's got the lamb. He's got the maybe some olives. And he's got this stuff like, so history, like tradition tells us they've got this stuff called choroset, which, so the other time I did this, it was a, it's a celebration of the Last Supper, right? And this is what we're talking about. This is right before Jesus goes to die on the cross, right? And so Jesus, as he's celebrating the Passover, one of the things that tradition tells us that, that they have in the Passover meal, what they call Sadar, if I said it right, but um, what, one of the things they have is this churro set, and it's like this fig nut paste. And again, you're like, and it's supposed to represent like the mortar of the bricks that they used uh, to build stuff for Egypt. And you're like, figs kind of good. Actually, figs are real wonderful, but um, figs and nuts and uh, I can't remember all what was in it, but like you just put this together and, and then you eat it and you're like, wow, that's really good. That's good too. But then one of the things you're supposed to do in this meal is take, take some unleavened bread, put some churro set on it, and then take some bitter herbs. Take, uh, take um, 
uh, some horseradish and put that on there. And then you're supposed to take uh, a bitter herb. I think we used um, uh, the parsley, I think. Um, and we dip it in salt water and we put it on there because the salt water is supposed to represent the tears of the people. And, and you put that all together and you're supposed to eat that. So you got this fig date nut mix, which is like sweet. And then you got unleavened bread and horseradish. And you're like, well, you know, at least I like the stuff before. And you take the bite and it's really good too, man. Like, I don't know how they work all this stuff together, but that meal is fantastic if you ever get a chance to do one. All this to say, Jesus is here. And he's trying to he's trying to celebrate. What does it mean to celebrate? I mean, you know, is it? I mean, is it celebrating fireworks over there where we or the touchdowns where we shoot off fireworks? Right, like that's awesome. Um, but like, you know, when we say celebrate like this, this feast, this isn't just a lavish like eat whatever we want type thing. It's a remembrance. And Jesus, as he's remembering with his disciples what God did to deliver his people. He's actually instituting for his people the fulfillment of everything that that was supposed to teach us. See, Jesus is the deliverer that came to deliver all of mankind from all of our sins. We are under a condemnation because of our sin, because we have rejected and rebelled against God, because we have chosen not to do things God's way as he created us to be. And when we've chosen to do it our own way, there's a condemnation, there's a judgment, there's a separation between God and man now because of that. And Jesus is coming to deliver his people. And what the work that Jesus is about to do to go die on the cross is to be the sacrificial lamb that dies in our place. And so Jesus, as he's remembering, he actually begins to institute the Last Supper, what we call communion about how now we recognize and we remember, we celebrate what Jesus has done when we eat the bread and we drink of the cup. And so we recognize as Jesus is, is celebrating this with his, his disciples, one of the things that happens here, it's, 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 it's a crazy story. And it's really, all of that is kind of just the context of what I want us to look at today. So, so remember we're, we're trying to remember what God has done to deliver, and Jesus is preparing to teach his disciples and then go deliver by being the sacrificial lamb. And as they come into this celebration, Jesus does like a crazy thing. And it's a really interesting thing. And I don't think we understand it. Because feet are gross. Can we, before we get going on this, like, feet are disgusting. Like, gross. Like, sometimes I struggle with people in flip-flops. Like, cover those things, please. Like, I don't want to see them. Like, man, feet are just gross. I don't, I don't know how else to tell you. But it's interesting how much a scripture in, in ancient culture cares about the feet. Um, because they... Okay, we're going to get gross, right? Like, this is, this is life. I don't, if you guys don't want to talk about this, I don't know what you want to talk about, right? Like, 
Um, but back in the old days, like, they didn't have sanitation. Uh, there's animals everywhere. They didn't have closed-toed shoes. So you're walking around in human and animal feces and dirt, and nothing's paved. I mean, Romans, like, they built some stone-paved things. But, like, I mean, in general, like, especially Israel, like, they're walking around in the dirt, right? And, and like, it's clay everywhere, and it's just this nasty gunk that gets on everything and and you'd walk into a house and there's this pot there for you to wash your feet you take your you know my wife in the parsonage they put new new carpet in the, the upstairs and my wife is trying to make us all keep our shoes off while we walk on it and i'm just like man we were moving furniture in here with our shoes on i mean it's gonna get ruined but you know especially you know we're not walking around in a lot of feces right but back then they are and you don't want to bring that stuff in your house so like you know you come to the front you take your shoes off and and you wash your feet in this pot of water it's not running water it's not like they got a sink and drain it's a, it's a pot of water that everyone else watched their nasty feet in you know but you do what you got to do right because you don't want to carry that stuff everywhere you know don't want to put that on your bed so anyway disgusting time when people ask me what time in in all of history if you could live any time in history when would you want to live now i mean we got baths and we got like heaters like i mean i like right now pretty pretty nice um they didn't have any of that so so it's common when you, when you go in uh, to wash your feet, and that's not to say that they didn't have their feet washed a little bit, but in these feasts, it was common to have servants that would wash the people's feet as they come into these feasts. Um, but, man, it's really interesting. You guys, I, I've said it. Both weeks I've been here so far, and I'm going to keep saying it. I'm, I'm informal. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance that can happen in church. And there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that can happen in religiosity. And, and, and we, can, we can be like the rabbis that get carried around, and, and everyone has to get out of their way and serve them. But that's not who Jesus was. They called him a rabbi. They called him a teacher. But he's walking in the streets with his disciples. And when they go to celebrate the feast of the, the Passover, one of the greatest celebrations, one of the most important feasts of the Jewish holidays, I mean, they just go get an upper room, and they're just all going up there together. And these disciples are living life with Jesus. They're not running around with the, the servants to go wash their feet. They're not, you know, they don't got some chef that's, that drives around in their RV with them and takes care of them. No, they're, they're just living life together. And Oh, it's Peter's turn to cook. I guess we're getting meat and potatoes again, you know. Oh, it's, it's John's turn to cook. I, I might be fasting today, you know. Like, I mean, they're just traveling. They're living life. It's been three years together. And they come to this feast. They don't have anyone to come do this for them. And maybe they all should have just done it themselves. But instead, it's Jesus who gets up. So this, when, when I did the Last Supper celebration, I washed, I washed everyone's feet. Let me tell you, that's a humbling experience. And we, we live in a day and age where serving people is like saying hi. Oh, I went out of my way for somebody. 
Jesus ended up not only his hands and his feet, and he took a, a towel, and he took this dirty, disgusting water, and then he cleaned the feet of his disciples. It's humbling. And we live in a day and age when we don't think a lot of like caste systems or where we are in society. But they, they had servants. Jesus took the job of a servant. Jesus took the meaning, meaningless, like most disgusting, lowest man on the totem pole gets this job. And he went to his disciples and he washed their feet. And we see from Peter that not only is this like humbling for Jesus to do this, it's humbling for the disciples to receive this. It's humbling to look at this man that you've been following, this man that you've recognized as way more than just a man, who's got the words of life, who's, who's, you've watched him raise the dead back to life. And now he's on his hands and feet almost bowing before you, washing your feet. And Peter, Peter gives, he gives the, like, the, Peter's, uh, Peter's who I want to be when I grow up. Peter, Peter's like, Jesus, no, no, you can't wash my feet. That's not your job. How could you stoop so low to do this? How could you, this is not your position. This is not yours to do. I wash my own feet. Sometimes we get this attitude that Jesus can't do that for us. We can't wash our own feet. Let's just be honest. I don't want to get too personal, but when I shower, I don't scrub my feet. I don't even wash my own feet. Like They just wash themselves, right, in the shower. But like anyway, sorry. I don't know who washes their feet, but here's Jesus He's stooping down, and he's washing our feet. He's serving us in this, in this most humbling way imaginable. He's getting into the dirtiness, the muck, and the mire of our lives. And he's doing what we can't and washing our feet. And sometimes we think we can do it without God, and we try to scrub, and, and the truth is, is we can't do it. So Peter has this, this uh, expression, no, you shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus says, you need me to do this. If, it, if I don't do this, there's, you, there's no life. There's no, there's no communion. There's no fellowship. You can't be with me if, if I don't wash you. And then Peter expresses another idea. Again, I want to be Peter when I grow up. Okay, wash everything. Like I, like if, if my... My life with you is dependent on you washing me. Let's get this done. Let's, let's do it all. Let, let's go all in. Peter's all in. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. What I do is enough. What God does is enough. We don't need more than what God can do. But we do need what only God can do. So Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And it, and really, it, it's, it's a humbling thing. It's a humbling thing for Jesus. It's a humbling thing for the disciples to allow Jesus to do this. And, and everyone's kind of, like, kind of sitting here like, 
like let's let's be clear like th- these people I don't know how all how old all of them are but they've celebrated Passover every year like they know the rhythm like if if you ever go to like a Jewish sedar like I mean there's there's phrases that a guy reads and everyone repeats back what they're supposed to say and like there's litany there's liturgical stuff to it and and they all know it and and they all know what they're supposed to be doing and and it's all broken apart by what Jesus has just done sitting here like just flabbergasted and and you know the other thing from actually doing this once like it takes time to wash a bunch of people's feet when you go to each person individually it doesn't just happen in one moment and it's a very quiet time so just imagine jesus is going from disciple to disciple washing their feet and the disciples are just sitting there And then Jesus says this. Verse number 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? <laughs> I love Jesus sometimes. Yeah, you just washed my feet. Like, pretty simple. He says this. You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. As, as we look at this, I want us to ask the question, who is Jesus in this story? Right? Well, number one, he's a servant. He's the one doing the servant's job. He's the one serving the disciples. He's the one down on his hands and knees cleaning. In the story, Jesus is the servant. But he's also the teacher. He's the one that all of them are there to listen to and learn from. And he's also their Lord, like their master, the one that tells them what they have to do. Like they've all sworn to follow him and do whatever he says. So there's this crazy positional thing where Jesus is, is he's the teacher, he's the Lord, the master, but he's the one servant. And then who are we in this story? Well, we're the disciples. We're the learners. We're the ones who are following Jesus. We're the ones learning from what Jesus is saying. We're the ones trying to do what God tells us to do. We're supposed to be the servant. And Jesus says this. Verse 16, most surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If I can put it bluntly, When we think we're too good to do the menial task, we think we're better than Jesus. See, Jesus is the greatest of all. Like, I mean, like we can say he's the servant. We can say he's the 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 teacher and the he's the he's the Lord, but like he's the God of all creation. He is everything. He speaks and life begins. Like he's God. And when we say, oh, God, I can't do that job, 
When God calls on us to do something and we're like, nah. Man, we really think that we're more important. Our position, our comfort, our opinion, our authority, our, our whatever we want to put in there. Like we think what we want is more important than what God has called us to do. See, Jesus, Jesus tells us to wash each other's feet. And sometimes, you know, I want to I give us the, com- the, the challenge to actually go wash someone's feet this week. And, and I'm not going to give that challenge, but I think you got the challenge, right? I think, we, I, I think we can take this very literally and actually go wash someone's feet. It's a humbling thing. It might change your perspective. But Jesus isn't just calling us to wash other people's feet. He's calling us to be a servant. To serve. If Jesus was willing to serve, why aren't we serving? Jesus is literally, he says, he he uses a word that I want us to think about. He says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And this is the call of so much of our Christian life. This is what I want us to focus on week in and week out. Every day, every moment, I want us to focus on. Jesus is the example, and I want to do as he has done. And Jesus served his disciples. Jesus served his friends. Jesus served his enemies. Jesus served. He is our example. And as followers of Jesus, as as we are seeking to be like him, as we're seeking this Christ-likeness, as we are seeking his, his image to live, uh, you know, we bear the image of God, and as Christians, we bear his name, and we want to bear his image well, and we want to follow him, we want to be like him. And if he is the example, we do just what he did, and he served. So the question is, is how can we serve? How can we follow Jesus' example and serve? We're going to turn to another passage and look at some things. But before we leave this passage, I want us to just kind of recognize what Jesus did here. Now, Jesus is doing a lot of things, right? He's remembering. He's he's preaching to them about what's about to happen, what he's going to do, right? But in this moment, he says, uh, I've washed your feet, and this is an example to you about what you should do. And so the first blank on your little notepads is, is that we need to follow Jesus' example by serving others in their present needs. And sometimes it's as simple as just looking around and saying, no one washed someone's feet when they came in. Like, serving, it doesn't have to be a title. It doesn't have to be a position. It doesn't have to be where everyone knows what's going on. It can be as simple as like, there's there's a piece of trash there. I picked it up. I mean, it's just like, what's in front of you? Like, serving others involves just opening your eyes to what people need. 
What do people need? Well, for, for me, I, I was kind of hoping for name tag. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, yeah, like, I mean, there's simple needs, right? Like, we can look around and, you know, like, if there's two more squares in the toilet paper roll. Hey, where's the, where, let, let me switch that out. Nah, that's someone else's job. Nah, someone else can do that. Man, it's, it's just looking at present needs. Just look at what's in front of you and be like, hey, I can, I can help. I can step in. I can go out of my way and I can serve. Just, just look around. And really for our church, that's what I'm asking for us to do. Like I'm, I'm new here. I'm, I'm still trying to, like I got my eyes wide open. I'm like, I'm finding out one week, hey, I'm supposed to dismiss kids. Hey, I can do that. Next week, I'm going to dismiss kids, right? Like, man, that's a present thing. It's right in front of me. Here we go. But maybe it's time for some of you to kind of just open your eyes to the church that you've been attending and say, what do we need? I've been coming. I've been uh, growing. I've been learning. But, like, sometimes we get these blinders on. We, We come in and we do what we do and we leave. Maybe it's important that we just kind of open our eyes and just say, hey, what, what does our church need? Maybe we look at the person in the same pew, maybe the one across from you. Pew, that's an old-fashioned word. The same row of chairs. Sorry, <coughs> my last church had pews. Now, I like the, I liked the wood of the pews, but the, it had like this faded pastel green. It was awful. But anyway, um, look, look across to someone else, right? Look at them and say, hey, what do they need? Actually see the people that you go to church with and ask yourself what they need. I think, I think this is a, a big part of what Jesus is saying. What do we do? Well, we do what Jesus did. And he looked at the needs of the people in front of him. I want us to turn quickly to Philippians chapter number 2. I'm a big fan of trying to stay in one passage for us to help understand and learn what this passage is. But as we're looking at these bigger topics, these words, serve, share, strengthen, serve, oh, I'm getting them out of order. Serve, share, strengthen, send. I had it right. I thought share was after strengthen. Okay. So as we're going to be looking at these words, like these are big topics. And obviously in one sermon, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is everything you need to know about serving, right? And anytime we look at one passage and say, this is what you need to know about serving, right? Like sometimes we get too isolated of a view. And it's, it's a much bigger topic than that. But as, as, as we're thinking about what is Jesus' example, how do we, how do we serve, how do we follow Jesus' example in how we serve? Um, I, I always come back to this passage. Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 1, it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem. Excuse me. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, 
who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. This passage, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is, he is our example. And not only is he our example of what we should do, like he, he is the example. Like, I mean, it, all of our life, all of our existence is, is to be like him, to worship him, to bear his image, to bring him glory. And so as we recognize that we want to do, we want to live and do everything just like Jesus did. Well, here's what Jesus did. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself, and he became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. He served for us. And so we, like Jesus, need to serve. Verse number one, it says, uh, you know, we're seeking this consolation, this comfort in Christ. We're recognizing uh, in, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about like craziness, like he's in prison and, and is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? But we want to recognize that God is working. And if we recognize that God is working, then we want to, we want to have comfort in that. And so how do we in, at Living Hope, no matter the circumstances, the transition we're going through, we want to have comfort in the fact that God is working. And how do we have this comfort in God, how God is working? He says this, if there's any comfort, if there's any fellowship, any affection, here's what we do. We need to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And here's what I put for the second blank. We need to serve others in their eternal needs. Because what we want to recognize is the work that Jesus is doing it's way more important than anything we're worried about. And Paul is saying this as he's in prison. And as people are leaving him and rejecting him and saying that he's not following God anymore because that's why bad things are happening in his life. Paul's saying, no, listen, I'm willing to be in prison if that means that the work that God is doing is going forward. <laughs> and he says it in chapter one, he's like, listen, the prison guards are finding out about Jesus because they're stuck with me. Right? So, like, we want to recognize how we can serve others in the work that God is doing, in his eternal purposes, right? And the way that we can do this is that the way that we serve God's eternal purposes is it's one mind, one purpose, one priority. You guys are not here, a part of this church to do what I tell you to do. We're not here to do what Steve tells us to do. No, we're here because we're following Jesus. That's what unites us. That's what brings us together. 
That's what we need to help each other with. That's what we need to encourage each other with. That's what we need to point out to other people. Hey, I understand, like, that's what you want to do, but God's actually asked us to do this. This is how we can serve each other, is we actually encourage each other to do what we said we would do and follow Jesus. We need to actually come together, not for the work that we want to accomplish, but for the work that God is already doing. We serve him. We follow him. We have but one master. We have but one teacher. We are the servants. We are the disciples who follow Jesus. We serve each other in having one goal and one priority. And what God is doing is God is actively working for the good of all people for all time. And we get to find our place in that and what God is calling us to do to serve other people for the work that God is doing for the good of all people for all time. He's, he's busy. Are we? Are we actively working for the growth of God's kingdom? Are we actively serving his kingdom? And then there's two more blanks here we have, and that's we want to serve others in humility. Verse number three in Philippians chapter two, he says this, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. This is like, I think it's probably true of, I was gonna say it's anti-American, but like, I think it's just anti-human nature, right? Humans are selfish. I'm selfish. I do what I want, and I do what makes me happy, and I do what, like, what makes me comfortable, right? And, like, we're, we're inherently very selfish people. We look out for our own interests. Jesus actually, like, left heaven and went into flesh. He washed the feet of his disciples. He allowed that flesh to be whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross. You can't tell me that was for his good. That was for my good. It's time we actually put away our opinions and what we think and what we need and what we desire and what I, I, I. And we need to sacrifice our I and follow Jesus. We need to be willing to sacrifice our opinions for the opinion of someone else. And we need to, we need to serve people. Why are you serving people? Let's be honest. Like there's, there's some of you that serve a lot, and that's awesome. I was made to serve a lot growing up. I had to look at my mom when I said that. It's a good thing. Guess what? Kids don't know what's good for them. You, you should make your kids serve, even if they have the wrong attitude. But you're an adult. Why are you serving? God said I had to. Oh, I do this because no one else will. Oh, I do this because...
you know, if serving's hard, I'd ask you to actually see who you're serving. Actually open your eyes and look at them. See what they need. See their heart. See their problems. See their struggles. And then do it for them. See, Jesus loved his enemies so much, he's willing to die for them. We need to serve others in humility, and we need to serve others by sacrificing for them. We need to follow Jesus' example and be willing to sacrifice. When's the last time serving cost you something? When's the last time you actually mimicked Jesus by laying down your opinion, laying down your life, laying down your time, laying down your frustrations for someone else? One of the greatest ways I believe we can show Christ-likeness, we can show godliness, one of the greatest ways we can follow the example of Jesus is to love someone enough, uh, someone else enough to actually serve them. And so that's, that's my heart for us this week, and really more than this week, but, you know, the question I have for us this week is who are we serving? And why are we serving them? Do we actually love the people uh, of this church, of your family, uh, of Green River, of Wyoming? Like, uh, do we actually love these people? Are we willing to serve them like Jesus served us? Are we willing to get down on our hands and feet and wash the feet of the people in front of us? Lord, we come to you today and I'm thankful that you do what we can't. And in our weakness and even as we fail, we recognize that you are patient and you are long-suffering and you are renewing us. You are actively working in us to make us more into your image. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at what you've called us to do as, as followers of Jesus Christ, that you would walk with us, that you would encourage us, that you would continually just open our eyes to the opportunities that are in front of us and what we can do to follow you, to show your love to those that are around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing one more song. You guys are welcome to stand with us, and we're going to sing... Uh, a song, and it's, it's called His Mercy is More. And I want us to just take some time uh, as we sing the song uh, to pray and to actually speak to God, to recognize His example, and then uh, pray. Uh, ask God to show you how you can share His love by serving others. And so stand up.